I've by far seen the most benefit for my relationships and for the people that I'm connected with when I'm just like very supporting and loving and compassionate for them no matter what they eat or how they live their life. Like I think that's 1000% the best way to support people just in our lives that we care about is just by being there for them no matter if you have different, different diets or different perspectives about it just by providing I think just that loving compassion for, for the people you care about you enable them to go make like a choice and knowing that you're not going to be there judging them and I think that point right there about like not being there to judge other people is so important because that you know if you feel like your parents or your siblings or your friends are going to judge you for doing something you probably don't want to go do it. Hi veggie mates you just heard from this week's special guest Katrina Co-Fed. I'm your host, Matthew Davey, and this is episode 67 of the Veg Talk podcast. Happy New Year and welcome back to everyone who tunes in weekly. If you are new and this is your first time listening, thank you for taking the time to hang out and welcome to the show. It's been a whirlwind past few months for us, moving back into an apartment again, picking up part-time work and also continuing the podcast. So thank you for sticking with us. We really do appreciate your support. Uh, If you've been a listener for a couple of months now or a long-time listener and are yet to review the show on uh, the Apple Podcast application, it would be amazing and much appreciated if you can take a couple of minutes right now to drop us five stars and tell us about your favorite episode. Now to this week's conversation with Katrina Co-Fed. So the path Katrina has been on and the experiences she's had along the way have led her to pursue a master's in nutrition in Copenhagen, Denmark. Uh, so we were lucky to get the timing right during her recent visit home to the Pacific Northwest. You'll hear from Katrina on why she went plant-based, what it's like to experience overeating and disordered eating, and on the flip side of that, practicing mindful eating as a way to combat those unhealthy habits. We also chat about habits and routines, uh, setting yourself up for success, especially if you're someone who is looking to commit to a plant-based diet, whether it be in 2020 or sometime in the future. So enjoy the show today, guys. And as always, I'll be chatting with you on the other side to wrap things up. All right, guys. Today, we are in Portland, Oregon again. Uh, we are with Katrina Co-Fed, mm-hmm. who is a local to this area, but she's flown in kindly just for the podcast <laughs> from Copenhagen, Denmark, uh, which we'll get into in a bit. But Katrina, mm-hmm. welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Matt. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's been cool meeting you and yeah. uh, appreciate you reaching out and yeah. um, lining, helping to line this up. Yeah, I'm so excited yeah. to be here. It's really fun. Perfect. Yeah. So today I would really like to firstly just get to know you um, a little a little better mm-hmm. uh, for the listeners as well mm-hmm. at home. Uh, so if you can tell us, yeah, a little bit about yourself growing up here in the Pacific Northwest um, and then I suppose where you're at now uh, yeah. and why you're in, in Copenhagen. Yeah, definitely. So I spent, my family's born in Denmark and we moved around a bit before settling down up here um, in Portland, Oregon. And so we lived here since I was 10. So this is kind of like, this is where, where I think of as home and where I've grown up. Um, but my family's all from Denmark and we've been back every summer to visit. So it's always kind of that split culture thing. I'm sure you and Anna can relate to that. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had an interesting, uh, kind of mix of 
you know, cultures and yeah. places. So yeah. for us, we're all over the joint. Right. Like, gr- I grew you guys up in are Australia. living here, but you're, neither of you are like from here. No. So yeah. like every time people meet us, they're, the first thing they're thinking is like, how did this happen? Yeah. <laughs> We've got a <laughs> Mexican and Australian yeah. <laughs> that have lived in Boston and now live in Portland yeah. and they've traveled and lived in a van yeah. and they have a podcast. What it's is going on? It's a great story. I mean, yeah. it's intriguing. That's so for I've, sure. Yeah, if people want to hear the full extended version, I need to, you know, prepare them and say, look, you're probably going to need 20, 30 yeah, minutes. Yeah, like, let's yeah, sit down. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to need to have a coffee. But That's funny. Yes, I, I feel you. Yeah. I well, anyway, you. it's yeah. nice because I don't think, growing up, I didn't meet that many people who could relate to that, like, split culture feeling, you know, of, like, feeling at home in one place in many ways, but also feeling like part of you feels more at home in other ways in a, in a different place so yeah, i think it's it's just always nice to connect with other people who've had that experience too definitely so um anyway i went to cooking school in copenhagen when i was 18 and the year before that my mom had been diagnosed and operated for breast cancer and luckily at the time her breast cancer was it hadn't progressed very far they detected it really early but they basically did like a preventative double mastectomy so it was like a big you know it's big procedure it was a really like kind of shell shocker for our family and and after that I mean I was just like so terrified that I would get cancer breast cancer later on in my life and I just remember I had biology all throughout high school and I remember sitting in one of my bio classes in when I was like 16 or 17 in high school and our and our teacher telling us like one in three people in this room will get cancer at some point in their lives and I was like like oh my god like what like how how it just felt so inevitable and at the time that was everything I had been taught was that like there's nothing you can do about this it's gonna happen to one in three people like shrug like go live your life hope it doesn't you know hope it's not you kind of thing and then my mom had that experience and after that I was like there has to be like is this really it you know and I'd never been really introduced to a different way of like living life. I mean, I was pretty healthy as a kid growing up, played lots of sports. Like my family coming from Denmark, Denmark just has a very much like healthier lifestyle and just healthier diet, but it wasn't like, you know, not, not as healthy as I am now, I would say. So when I did go to cooking school, one of our chef instructors, he was vegan and I got to talking to him and I was just really intrigued by it. Cause you know, this was like, this was six years ago. So there were vegans on the scene, but it was very, it was very niche still. Like you didn't really meet people like just like out and about in your life who were vegan. And so I was talking to him and I was like, I was very skeptical. I was like, how are you? Like, why, you know, why'd you go vegan? Like I was curious, but I was also like, "Ah, I could never do that. You know, like, I don't know if you've been there, but I've definitely been the person who's like, ah, no, there's no way. I actually feel like, like, I'm just going to let you go, Uh but I feel very aligned with my experience and your experience. Um, My, you know, my parents haven't had a, yeah. Like a, a health scare. Right. But in terms of my personal experience, yeah, totally. I, yeah. I completely understand where you're coming from. Right. Um, so yeah, please continue. Yeah. For sure. But but so anyway, so it was like I was I was open to learning more about it, but I was also like, yeah, okay, like whatever. So so then he was telling me about how he had initially gone vegan because his family had a really like strong history of cancer too, along with heart disease. And then that was when my curiosity was really peaked because I was like, you know, this just happened to my mom. And at the time I was kind of subconsciously like searching for answers about like, there has to be some other way of doing this. Like this can't be, you know, I can't just like lay down and kind of like accept my fate type of thing. 
And, um, and so he started telling me about like that he went plant-based because he wanted to reduce his risk of cancer. And I was like, so I was just like blown away at the time. So he gave me some books and some different studies to read. And you know, back in the day, that was like when Forks Over Knives was pretty big. So I watched a few different documentaries on Netflix and just like did some reading on my own. I read the China study and I was like, wow, like, okay, well, this is like clearly what I got to do. So it was like, as soon as I had the information, it was just like, it was very easy for me to make the change. So I went vegetarian in cooking school. And then um, I actually lived in Panama for six weeks after that, working at this like rural Airbnb type of thing. And that was really interesting. And that was, I was vegetarian there too. And that was like already challenging enough, like, you know, way out in the middle of nowhere, like meat and potatoes kind of thing, but like island version. So finally, when I came back home here, I um, literally like the day I came back to, to Portland, I went vegan. That was like March 1st of like, what is it now? Like 2014. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I've just never looked back. So for me, it was like it was a very gradual transition just because of like my circumstances at the time. But that was it was actually kind of perfect because it meant that when I did come home, I was so ready to be vegan and I knew how to do it. Like just been a cooking school. I knew how to cook like all this amazing food. And I'd like read a bunch of, you know, like different um, cookbooks with it and was like obsessed with reading blogs about like vegan food and stuff. So as soon as I had the opportunity to actually do it and just like be in control of what food I was eating, it was very easy for me to just make the switch. So that was really like my gateway into it. And it was just like, so, I mean, it's like, you know, you walk into like this whole new world. And for me, it was just so mind blowing because I'd never known that you could, that your, the food you eat could have such a big impact on your health down the road. And so just those pieces for me, I was like, how have I never heard about this before? So, you know, everything was just really exciting and new at first. And that's still what I see with people now today that it's like, you know, people are finding this lifestyle and just even just starting to eat more plant-based because they're learning about how amazing and healing food can be for your body when you give it the opportunity to do what it does. Yeah, I don't want to delve too, like, it's crazy how Mm -hmm. like, you know, through the, the podcast, I've listened to, you know, nearly 70 people's stories and I don't think I've related so closely on, you know, the progression Mm -hmm. there um, of of why and how uh, the switch kind of happened for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, So let's get into the lottery kind of feeling. Yeah. So I, I totally get that and we can't be the only ones out there that that feel that way, right? Right. You're sitting down and you get told one in three people right. are going to uh, die of cancer in this room. You look around your family and your yeah. friends and you're seeing that kind of play out. Right. And it doesn't have to be just your close uh, circles. Yeah. In your wider like circles, everyone. you really get that feeling mm-hmm. that, holy shit, there are so many people just that I know that are passing away from either heart disease or cancer. Right. Um, and you do feel lost in a, in a sense, you, you feel that it's completely out of your hands right? and then it's luck. Yeah. And that's the way I felt. Mm -hmm. Um, when I said close fam, my my grandparents were the people that were the, you know, they were the people that I'd seen suffer. Right. And, um, it was, it was hard to go through even at a younger, a younger age and it's not nice to see people you love go through that Mm -hmm. and feel that it's luck. Right. Uh, It's just like luck of the draw. Exactly, which is horrible. So how can people start to equip themselves with 
a little more knowledge. Yeah. You don't have to be a nutritionist. You don't have to be an expert in this field in 2020 mm-hmm. to start to learn a little bit more about um, nutritional uh, information. So right. what would you recommend? Yeah, and you know, I, I'm glad we got on this topic because so I'm studying a master's in nutrition at University of Copenhagen right now, which we didn't quite get to, but um, it's really interesting because the classes I've had so far this fall, we've had a lot of lecture on cancer, lectures on cancer and cancer development, and there's kind of two aspects of it, specifically when it comes to cancer. There's the epidemiological side, and then there's kind of more so the, um, like the, the biochemical side of things. So epidemiology says it looks at like, okay, these lifestyle factors are correlated with higher incidence of cancer. So we know smoking, tobacco you know, lung cancer are very well correlated and things like red meat and um, things that are, you know, cause smoke, like lots of carcinogens are related to higher rates of cancer. So that's like, we have these studies, they've looked at, you know, correlations between certain behaviors and cancer development. So that's one piece of it, you know, like, okay, you know, same thing with red meat. If you eat red meat, then your risk of cancer is increased by X kind of thing. And then on the other side of things is literally just like the biological aspect of how cancer development works in your body. So our cells are always multiplying and dividing like all the freaking time. We have, you know, hundreds of thousands of cells in our body. They're constantly going through this. And every single time a cell divides, the DNA is replicating. So cancer is really, you know, it's a disease of DNA. It's not anything else. And that causes extreme like cell multiple like division. So every single time our DNA gets replicated, there's opportunity for error. And our bodies are so incredible. I mean, I'm just like floored by how, studying biology, like by how well our bodies work. But so our DNA repair systems can cause most of those mistakes to be corrected so that our cells can can multiply and there's not any problems. So, but just like as a baseline by being alive, because we're constantly replicating DNA, we have that risk for DNA mutation, for that genetic mutation to happen. And a lot of the time that genetic mutation doesn't change anything drastically, but sometimes it does. And that's where the problem is. If it changes that one codon where it like signals to your cell to do something else, then it'll like grow uncontrolled. And that's really how cancer develops. And just by living, just by existing, we're, we have that risk. Right. By simply being exposed to our environment well just by i mean you could be in a closed room environment but your cells are still replicating so it's just because that your cells are constantly multiplying because you're a living breathing human being like you have a risk of cancer um so understanding kind of those two different sides of it because you know before i'd really thought like okay it's lifestyle factors it's all like lifestyle there are things we can do that are within our control which is very true but i think it's also really important especially for you know for your listeners like might not have this background like i do in biology and nutrition just understanding like there are these two sides to the to the scope and we there is a lot we can do that's in our control but i think it's also important to note that sometimes you know it kind of is luck of the draw like you hear those stories of those really healthy people who get cancer and you're like how can this happen but it is because at you know at at some level it is kind of just genetic lottery that being said you know you know that i'm a big proponent of lifestyle change and taking responsibility for for i think your health and for the choices you make i don't like that the current model of medicine tells you to kind of sit back like like we said like lay down and accept your fate like one in three people will get cancer like sucks to suck like good luck you know (laughs) like so I don't 
that being said, like, I think it's so important to recognize the lifestyle factors and the, the things that we have in our control, like our diet, like our physical activity, our environment to some extent. So sure, there's this baseline level. We have some risk, but there's also a lot that is in our control. So I think, you know, for your listeners, it's very much like just recognizing that it's not black and white. Um, I see, I see kind of like a lot of sensationalistic stuff. Um, after that World Health Organization report came out putting red meat and processed meat in the same class as um, cigarettes. cigarettes. And it's not that those aren't carcinogens, but it's just they're nowhere near as potent carcinogens as cigarettes are. Mm -hmm. So I think that's important to recognize too, even as you know, you and I were like very plant-based lifestyle advocates, but we also need to be responsible for like the message not getting misconstrued. And I think there are a lot of people out there um, you know, a lot of vegans out there who are mm -hmm. very much, they're not very properly educated about it. And they kind of are saying a lot of stuff that is not quite true. So I think we kind of have to be like, be, be impartial in a way and convey information, mm -hmm. but also like, let's not blow it out of the water out of create something that's not quite true with right. the science at least. No, totally. I think what does Gregor say? He says something like, uh, our DNA or our genes load the gun yeah, and then nutrition pulls the trigger. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that's kind of like a, a nice way to look at it. Mm -hmm. So everyone's gun right. is loaded. Yeah. And in some way or another, in some way or another. And I, you, we could probably agree that you could go one step further and say, not just nutrition pulls the trigger. Mm -hmm. There are other lifestyle your factors. environment yeah where you live the air you breathe the stress that you have stress yeah. anxiety yeah uh, you know whatever practices you have about or how you go about dealing with that everyone right. experiences stress and anxiety on some level yeah but how do you experience it right and um, how do you cope with it like exactly. you were saying yeah right so there, there are things that definitely go into pulling that trigger mm -hmm. uh, and shifting our diet from what we've seen over you know, the last century, I suppose. Mm -hmm. And it's the standard diet has gotten worse and worse over that period of time. But shifting away from that to a um, an 100% plant-based diet or a mostly plant-based right. diet, it's going to radically change uh, the outcomes of your health. Right. So, yeah, important to look at it from uh you know a logical level not yeah. sensationalize yeah exactly anything uh, we're not bulletproof right by any yeah. respect yeah um yeah we're still human right and simply switching diets isn't a hundred percent the proof but it's it's a great, it's a great start. step forward yeah totally um okay so that's really cool mm -hmm. yeah and for anyone at home what would you in terms of reading or watching, mm -hmm. what did you like the most? Do you like the China study? Love the China study. Yep. I mean, I see it's funny because I'm very, my background is very evidence-based science mm -hmm. and I think that's really important. But at the same time, you know, the field of doing nutritional research is so flawed. <laughs> There's yep. so many studies that are funded. There's so many ways to kind of obfuscate your findings, to mess with the statistics, to make something look significant when it wasn't. And, you know, just for the layman to interpret that, it's not realistic. So I think, you know, there is some great research out there, but also research is not the only thing to rely on. And I see that a lot in like the scientific community, like, you know, people like people I study with, they're like, oh, if there's not a research study on it, like don't even consider it. 
like they would not ever con- a lot of the people I'm studying with because it's a very kind of mainstream very evidence-based program and that's like kind of all that researchers and scientists see they're like eh, no there's not research for it then like not even going to consider it even though they're like you know let's say like acupuncture or um, traditional Chinese medicine that are, you know, have been working for thousands and thousands of years for people in Asia. There's, I don't know how much research there is about that, but clearly that's working. So I think for people at home, you know, the China study is amazing, just looking at research-based stuff, but also just taking into consideration like anecdotes. And a lot of the time anecdotes, they're not obviously going to be a one size fits all, but it could be worth at least looking into. Um, so I think the China study is great. I love Forks Over Knives. That's also, you know, that's by, uh, Dr. Esselstein and what's his name? Dr. Campbell. Yeah. So they're in the movie. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Brian Wendell uh-huh. is the guy, him and his wife are the creators of Forks Over oh, Knives. Oh, cool. Yep. Yeah. But so Forks Over Knives is great because that's also evidence-based, but like practical, I think in a way that can appeal to people. Um, I think nutrition facts, Dr. Greger is mm-hmm. wonderful. I mean, talk about evidence-based and the way, what I like about him is that his, his research is very solid, but also that he explains it in a way where you don't need a degree in biology or a degree in nutrition to understand what he's saying. Right. So I think that's a great way to get into it. I also love, um, I guess I'm just thinking of online resources now, but like Mike the vegan. Yeah. He's, uh, he's, yeah. um, I think Again, the reason I like him is uh, the relatability of the mm-hmm. guy. Yeah. Um, but then the work that he does, you know, we can, it's easy to get, I suppose, tricked into believing people that are online. Right. And yeah, it's, it's hard. Yeah. We're in a world now where there's information everywhere. Right. Um, I've probably given information that is probably not a hundred percent fact right it's it's a difficult world to navigate Um, i'll do my best all the time in making sure that i'm directing people to experts rather than myself right um he does a lot of work in reading the literature yeah understanding what i admire about him and portraying it in a way that's digestible yeah and that's what i also loved about gregor yeah when exactly. i started he was the guy that i yeah, go to it's because like you can trust him you feel I, like he knows what he's talking about and he does yeah he does he know what he's does. talking yeah. about he just presents it in a way like you won't meet a guy that is more excited about the world so of nutrition <laughs> yeah. than him yeah it is incredible how he's done this over years and years yeah. and years but when you hear him talk, he's so stoked. It about doesn't it. change. Yeah. He is absolutely yeah. stoked yeah. on on the topic of of health, nutrition, mm-hmm. uh, and plant based eating. Right. So yeah, I really like those. Um, I think they're really helpful. Right. Those um, those you know forms of uh, information. Mm-hmm. The China study is a little bit more. It's very science dense in terms yeah. of science. But if you get a copy of it, just chew through it. Yeah. I went slowly. Right. Just take a little bit at a time. A little bit at a time. And it probably ended up taking me two months mm-hmm. to read the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I got the information that... Uh, a really good understanding. Right. Uh, of why I want to continue this. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. that's important to have. So I think for anyone, you know, who is considering a plant-based lifestyle or just wants to learn more about it, like, don't feel like you need to dive in, like 
head over heels into it. Don't feel like you have to do anything 100%. Like take it slow because that's how you're going to make it last. And take the time to learn about it. And I think there are a lot of really amazing, you know, vegan and plant-based influencers out there. Um, like yourselves included, what I really like about you guys is that you're not like super pushy about your approach. And I think that's so important today is that like, like I'm vegan and I'm very passionate about it. But at the same time, like I recognize that not everyone wants to go fully vegan and that's okay. So it's like, as long as we're promoting like a plant-based lifestyle, and that's going to be the most inclusive and supportive way to reach more people because we're not going to reach people by polarization. Like we've seen that not be successful and vegans get such a bad rap now because there are so many vegans out there who are so critical against people who aren't vegan and i'm just like it's not it's not benefiting anyone you know like no one wins by us doing that so let's just try to get like let's focus on how can we just get more people eating more plant-based meals like take it like one meal at a time and yeah just educate yourself and and i think too like don't get too sucked into what any one person is saying so true what you said there's so much information out there everyone has an opinion and you know we see like youtube vloggers and stuff and influencers who really shouldn't be influencing <laughs> about nutrition and diet and then all these like especially young people i think are watching them they're like oh well you know so and so does this so i i should do this and i'll get amazing results and you know this worked for them so it's going to work for me and Sure, you might see some benefit, of course, but also like don't take that, don't mistake that for nutritional, like for scientific research or for evidence-based anything. So yeah, the polarization is hopefully something that we move away from, and it's not just vegans. Like mm -hmm. if you if you do go online, you know we live in that world again. It's not it's not where you want to be a hundred percent of the time, right. but um, it happens on both sides of the coin. For sure, there is a lot of um, you know strong language. Yeah, and uh, so, and I get it. Like it's personal, but people yep. get so heated about it. Really heated, and it does push people away. Yeah, um, from either side. From any any of, kind of diet, you're right. Exactly. Like with anything. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I, the the person that comes to mind, I actually don't know her name, but she just did a video on mm -hmm. 30 days of eating nothing but meat. Oh gosh. Um, and she used to be a oh, vegan. <laughs> you uh, know what? I saw her. I think it alignment? went like viral online. Yeah, yeah. I just. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. fair play to her. If she wants right. to go out and try this experiment mm -hmm. and document it, put it online, okay, mm -hmm. I'm not going to, like, stop you. Right. We just have to know that, okay, why is this person really doing it? Right. You know, I think there was a sponsor yeah. that was a, a meat sponsor okay. of the video it was extremely well edited okay extremely well made hmm. um yeah and you could i suppose mistake that for hard hitting evidence of what a meat only diet would offer you uh, but we just we've got to you know she clearly is in this experiment for the the monetary reasons right. or the kind of the views and way yeah yeah it's, uh, it's not helping anyone. Right. You know, we yeah. can't eat only meat right. forever. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. So Just, yeah. frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Again, we, we can watch it, learn from it and end up going, okay, well, we just have to make a, a, a decision that is logical. Exactly. Based you know? on what the information we have. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, I wouldn't, if, if you're okay with it, I'd, I'd really like to hear what it was like for you and your family, you know, going through 
seeing your mum mm-hmm. go through breast cancer and have uh, the double, is it mastectomy, yeah. mm-hmm. removal of her breasts. I mean, that just must be the most, one, or, you know, one of the most difficult things as a family you could go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, how how it affected you guys and mm-hmm. um, I suppose we know it changed your views on uh, diet and nutrition, but just, right. yeah, um, what that was like. Yeah, I mean, at the time it was like, it was just so scary. I was just like, how, like, what is going on? Like every, you know, you're having a surgery, but is it gonna come back? And even now I think about it, I'm, you know, she's in remission now and she's she's fine, but it's still like, you know, once you have breast cancer once, your chance of getting it again is exponentially increased. So. Um, at the time it was just like, it was, it was scary. I think for all of us, um, I, but then I, I moved to, to Denmark and I kind of like learned about this new lifestyle. And I just remember coming back home that following year. And I was, I was like, literally I'd gone vegan because I didn't want to get cancer. Like I'd gone vegan because of that experience. And my parents were very much still like, I was kind of at the time I figured like, okay, well, once they learn about this, they are probably going to change their diet too you know, logical, it makes sense, right? It makes sense when you have new information, especially information that's relevant to you, that you would change your habits. And so I was really confused when, you know, they kind of like, I told them about it and they learned about it and they weren't open to it. That was, at the time, it was really hard for me to understand, especially because I was like, I was newly vegan. I was so gung-ho about it. You know, like I mentioned earlier to you guys, I was like the pushy vegan for a couple years. And this definitely was like, my pushiest vegan time, not proud of it, but you know, I think a lot of us go through that when you first go vegan. And, and I was just so confused. I was like, how are you guys like not, like what, do you, what, like how can you still be eating this stuff when you know now like the effect that it has on your body? Um, so I think for, for me, there was just a big disconnect and honestly it was kind of like, you know, there was kind of a, some discord I think between me and my parents just because I couldn't understand how they couldn't change. And then um, I went on to study a bachelor's in biology and a bachelor's in psychology and learned a lot about cognitive dissonance and just like reactance theory and just when you're presented with information that is conflicting against the, the current lifestyle and the habits that you have now, your psyche will do a lot to try to shut it down to make it seem less important so you don't actually have to take it into consideration. Um, so I just kind of learned more and I understood more, but I think that's really like, like that was how I got out of the pushy, pushiness of, of being a new vegan and just like understanding that everyone will come to their own change in their own time. And you know, like my parents, that's the same thing for them is the same thing for everyone else. Like the best I can do is just to, to be a great example of, of how this works for me. And then if other people can see that and, and are ready to make the change, then, then they will. So, how has that gone over time? You know, it's interesting. So my dad, he actually, um, he lived in upstate New York for the past like five years because he was working there and he would come home to visit like twice a month. So he wasn't like living, living at home. Um, so my mom was eating very plant-based and my brother was was vegan too for a while and he's not anymore. So there's kind of been a lot of interesting stuff like shifts in diet and just changes where, you know, I, I've gotten to the point where like I don't take it personally. I know it's not about me. And, um, but you know, it is, it's just interesting kind of to see like, but they very much do their own thing. You know, they eat meat, they eat like, not, not, I think as unhealthy as a standard American diet, but still like just, you know, like um, American diet, but they're both, they exercise a lot. So I think they're very healthy for their age. Um, they're almost 60 now and they're still like, they don't really have any ailments besides, you know, my mom had breast cancer, like what, six, seven years ago. So they're very healthy still, which I think is, uh, 
I think is a part of it. I think maybe if you had some really uh, another serious health scare um, that forced you to change your diet, you know, then maybe that would happen. But yeah, so it's been interesting because it was kind of like, it was definitely, I think me that I took the most change afterwards. It's a good lesson Mm -hmm. that to not take it personally. Yeah. It isn't about you. Yeah. They're not taking this on because of you. Right. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's hard to change. Yeah. Um, even when information's presented to right. you, uh, even when it's, you know, it's strong, positive information, uh-huh. it's still, uh, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It has to come from within. Yeah, it definitely does. It really, you know, there has to be that spark of why I want to do it. Right. Uh, t- to get someone really on, on board, mm-hmm. I suppose. So that's cool. So, yeah. Okay. So, so it's there's been a bit of an evolution there. Yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, too, and I think about their background, like growing up, like my dad grew up, uh, my grandpa's like, he was a, a cattle farmer. Um, so it's very traditional, very like rural kind of diet and just lifestyle. And like, you know, you eat animal products and that's just the way it is. And you can, you need to be do- doing that to be healthy. And you know that's still I think the longer you live and the more you get set in your ways the harder it is to to break out of that and you know I think I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that too totally and we've just gone through the holiday period you've come home what's it like coming home and going through the holidays with your family I mean it's it's interesting it's like it's funny because I've just gotten so used to it now but it is I was talking with another vegan friend about this I don't know if you guys can relate to this at all but just like when you are with eating with people who are non-vegan, you know, like we are often around the holidays, it's hard to see and hear other people talking about like, oh, this meat is so good. Like this thing tastes so good because for me, you know, like I'm vegan for a lot of reasons, but, but now I think I'm really connected to being vegan for the animals and for the ethics of it. So it is, it's, it's, hard for me to hear like people talking about like how good like these ribs are you know I'm like like it just it's heartbreaking in a way you know and it's again it kind of gets gets back to that point of like I'm not taking it personally and like it's not uh, you know it's not my place to criticize anyone for what they do and I very much like understand that now but it is you know it is hard to hear that so I think I end up like luckily I didn't have too much of that this time around it's more so when I'm like with other relatives and just people just people who aren't vegan it's I don't know if you guys can you know, have experienced that, but like, it's challenging, I think, like for me, at least. I think we've experienced it to some extent. I think like mm-hmm. walking through markets in Mexico yeah, with Anna's uh, family. And again, nothing again, like, you know, her dad is like a joking kind of playful guy. Yeah. And he doesn't mean bad. Right. But like, there'll be a pig's head. Yeah. And he'll geez. be like, oh, muy rico, muy rico. Yeah. And we'll be like, Oh man, that's it's just, just so, really yeah. Like, not just gross, but yeah, heartbreaking. Right. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. It is. Like after seeing, you know, um, like an animal save movement. Right. Especially that, like, really deeply rooted it. The ex- yeah, it's 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 hard, but yeah, I get it. I mean, yeah. it, it's tough, and that's. I know we, we should speak up at every opportunity, but that might be a situation where you have to bite your tongue right? and not bring it up at the family dinner yeah. table and, you know, go on a big vegan go, yeah. rant. Oh, that's just so... Yeah. It's funny because I think, like, I'm not... 
I actually don't bring it up that often with people. A lot of the time, well, one, a lot of the friends that I had, they're vegan or plant-based, period, which, you know, obviously, like, I would, I would love to be around those kind of people just because that's, we already have that, like, base level of an understanding, and that's obviously, I have friends who are omnivores, too, you know, it's not like it's prejudiced one way or the other, but I think, a lot of the time I don't, I don't talk about it unless someone asks me if I, if we're eating together, just because, you know, I know I'm going to get this barrage of questions about how do you get your protein and all this and all that. And, you know, I'll answer those like patiently, but it is, it's not something that I want to deal with like on a weekly basis. And I prefer to do, I think I see my type of activism, if you will, by just one being an example for others and helping like in my business, like I help my clients go plant-based and I provide resources for that. And that's kind of like how you know, I'm here to show you how you can live a plant-based lifestyle very easily. And there are like many different ways to do vegan activism. Some really identify with, with, like you said, like the animal saves or like anonymous for the voiceless. For me, I just, that's not my best way to be doing it. So I think we all have our like unique way of, of moving it forward. But I, you know, I think there is definitely a time and a place to bring it up. And I think what I've learned, at least in my experience, is that people will, will talk when they're ready to talk to you about it, they will ask you about it. And, and until then, I mean, I think in my experience, again, it's like, it's only harmed my relationships if I try to push it onto someone else. Totally, I, I couldn't agree more. So for, yep, Anna's pointing at me, cause that was me. So mm-hmm. um, I know it's, again, it's hard to give information to people that are about to experience this and for them to take it on. Cause again, I think experience is the best way right. to, understand but for any new vegans that are listening it is honestly the most effective way is to lead by example Mm -hmm. and whether it's through it can be through animal activism right it can be through um you know being a master's in nutrition it can be through a podcast it can be through a youtube channel it can be through just sitting at the family dinner table eating a plant-based meal but when someone becomes interested in what you're doing and starts to ask the questions, that's when that person is really ready to digest information. Right. I've said it time and time again, and for you guys that have been listening since day one, when I used to Skype with mum and dad, I would just barrage them with information. Yeah. And you could see, I could see, I can think back and see it in their eyes and think how. They just wanted me to stop. Yeah. You know, please stop talking yeah. about this. And then the day that I actually stopped doing it is when they went out into the world on their own and started to make healthier mm-hmm. switches. So, you know, yeah, take that with a grain of salt. But Right. But I think it's, it's, it's really important. And just from, again, from my experience, like I've by far seen the most benefit for my relationships and for the people that I'm connected with when I'm just like very supporting and loving and compassionate for them, no matter what they eat or how they live their life. Like, I think that's 1000% the best way to support people just in our lives that we care about is just by being there for them, no matter if you have different, different diets or different perspectives about it, just by providing, I think just that loving compassion for, for the people you care about, you enable them to go make like a choice and knowing that you're not going to be there judging them. And I think that point right there about like not being there to judge other people is so important because that, you know, if you feel like your parents or your siblings or your friends are going to judge you for doing something, you probably don't want to go do it. 
So just by providing that support and, you know, the non-judgment, I've just seen big changes um, for, for the people that I care about, where I used to be, like, very pushy about it, kind of like you were saying, you know, just, like, no awareness for how it was being received, and now I'm just like, what? That was so, such a backwards way of doing it. That's not how I should be approaching it. Yeah, lots of people make the mistake, but I feel like moving forward, as, as, as there are more people that have experienced it, um, I think on some level we can help those that are about to go through yeah, it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and equip them with the tools where they know, okay, it's like studying for a test. Yeah. Equip them with the life tools to go, okay, I see this situation as one where I just want to jump in and be mm-hmm. like, but mom and dad, but, this and that. but exactly, <laughs> yeah. but why, why, you know, yeah. and just listen. Right. Listen to what they're saying mm-hmm. and that's all you have to do. Right. Um, that's really all you have to do. Sometimes people just want to be heard. We've read that in a little toolkit, in a a, a gift packet. It was actually really cool. Um, but yeah, listening is very important, uh, and, and something we can all get better at. I think 2020 is the year for this shift Mm -hmm. away from, away from the, the sides, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, veganism versus the world. Yeah. And um, pushing views and I really feel like 2020 is a great year for us to just become yeah better listeners more compassionate for other people's mm-hmm. um, experience mm-hmm. and we're going to see exponential growth through that uh, rather than uh, maybe ways that have been uh, more abundantly used in in the past yes so I, I really hope uh, yeah it is that year <laughs> little indie is getting Uh, getting loud Mm -hmm. so I think that's a really good segue into you know now learning about your past and and, um, you know what you've experienced Mm -hmm. how that led you to to starting a business Mm -hmm. so you've obviously got you know the fire burning yeah at that point definitely so how did that come about Uh, you know you're a busy woman you're you're studying you're doing a master's Mm -hmm. yeah why, why, why on earth would you want to start a, a, a business right. on top of that? Yeah, yeah well, definitely. I think, um, I mean, so in college, I started out studying biology and because I was really interested in nutrition and just like how we can heal our bodies. And then I, as I was going through that, I realized how important like mental health is. I know we talked about this a bit before we started recording, but like mental and emotional well-being are. And I decided to double major in psychology as well because I was always very much like, I'm very much like a feeling person, very empathetic, very like in touch. You know, anyone who's into astrology, I have like seven, seven houses in water, you know, so there's a lot of emotion stuff going on. But uh, so I was always really interested in that. So I think when I had that unique background of psychology and biology, like physical, mental, emotional well-being, it just really opened my eyes to seeing how important all these things are for like true, like optimal wellness. And um, so that was kind of my experience, like the past few years, like after I went vegan, just learning a lot about, like I went, I struggled with like emotional eating, and at the same time I was teaching group fitness, so I was very into just like wellness and fitness, and I was all about it, you know. And I knew I wanted to study a master's in nutrition and I knew that I'd always like wanted to do my own thing. And I wasn't, you know, I know there are like amazing jobs out there, but I really like wanted to, to be able to share my nutrition and wellness philosophy in my own way. 
Um, I taught at a few different group fitness studios before that, but, but my experience at like at least teaching group fitness is always that it's very, and, and I don't know if you can relate to this, but it's very like, um, you know, like, oh, you got to cut carbs and you got to eat more protein and you got to work out like really intensely. I taught hit classes. So this was very, you know, it makes sense that it was like that. But, um, but I was just like, oh, like, no, like what about stress and people aren't sleeping enough. They're skipping, you know, they're getting five hours of sleep so they can get up early in the morning to work out and this is triggering their stress hormones and they're working too much. So all this stuff. So I really like, I was like, okay, that's not the perspective I take on it. Like I need to have my own platform. So for a long time, I was just um, developing recipes. I had a blog, like a small blog, wasn't super you know, big on it. But, um, but then last year I got much more serious about kind of about like my business and about like this passion of mine for sharing. My brand is called passion for plants and it literally comes from like, I'm just like super fucking stoked about like all of this stuff, you know? So I wrote a cookbook that came out in April of this past year. And, um, and that was really exciting. That was kind of my first step into being like taking things more seriously and considering it not just as like this side hobby, but, uh, but like just taking the step into, into making it a more serious thing. And um, I was working as a health educator at a local health clinic. Um, and I was able to do the American Council on Exercise Health Coach certification through my work. And I knew I wanted to get a master's in nutrition. So all this stuff, I was like, okay, cool. I can become a certified health coach, which side note, I think I have a lot of opinions about health coaches because there are a lot of people online on Instagram who are health coaches, but they might be like beach body coaches, which, you know, obviously nothing against anyone, but just like, it's very important to be very aware of who you're taking your information from, because I see a lot of people out there who are branding themselves as health coaches and they're just, you know, they're giving out nutritional advice again, like we talked about, like who don't have the, the education and the, the, I think the credentials needed to give that advice. And, and I think, you know, as a side note, I think there are a lot of areas in life where you don't need credentials to uh, give advice, but science is one of them. So I think it's really important that just moving forward, all of us, and I think your listeners too, like be aware of the people that you're taking your advice from and know what their background is. That's not to say anyone's experience isn't as valid as anyone else's, but just when it comes to taking information, like look into who you're following, like what is their background? Are they qualified to to give you this advice that they're giving? And what is the goal of their... Mm-hmm you know, their, their book or their, right. their, what they're promoting. Exactly. Whatever they're promoting. Um, like you said, like if the goal is to get a rock and bod for the beach in summer, yeah. then if that's what you want, if that's your true goal and aim in life, yeah. then maybe it's a fantastic fit for you. Right. But if you are looking to actually become a healthy human and you're looking for, you know, just like a nice, healthful holistic approach mm-hmm. to life yeah you know the whole thing right like follow those people not summer 2020 yeah yeah let's look at what the outcomes are yeah in their um yeah in their course right exactly so and i think that's where i was really just itching to to be able to speak more authoritatively about like my perspective like i've just learned so much from you know, from my undergrad and now from my master's, from my personal experience, I did like a certificate in nutrition, just have like so much experience and, uh, and just knowledge as well that I really wanted to share. And I feel like I've really gotten to a point now where I have a very balanced approach to nutrition and wellness and fitness. And 
Um, I really feel like I can see things from like a bird's eye view. Um, I've gone through a lot of stuff like from my own life and, and now I get to help people who are experiencing those same things. So it's just, I was very ready to be able to do that. Um, but yeah, I mean, my business, it happened quickly. I was like, okay, cool. I was moving in, in July to, to Copenhagen. It's like, okay, I got to get this LLC started up before I leave. So it was very like, it was a quick switch. And I think looking back on it now, I'm like, oh my, like I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Like starting a business is, you know, you, you can read about how much work it is, but you don't know like how much it is until you're in it. So it, it, you know, the learning curve is steep and stuff, but, but it's been, it's been a good experience. And now I get to, you know, now I get to help people transition to a plant-based lifestyle and not just like focus on the plant-based diet, but, but help them like with emotional eating and deal with stress. And that was a big part. Like I was burnt out. I had adrenal fatigue for like a year and a half and I had to learn how to manage my stress levels, change my lifestyle so that I had energy to just like go about life. And that's a big theme I see now today, you know, especially in, in America, we're so overworked and busy and we don't sleep enough. We don't take time for ourselves. And so that's really like my, I think my unique approach to it is very much like, like you were saying, like, how can we have a sustainable long-term healthy lifestyle? You know, I'm here to, to make sure that the people I interact with can can live and be healthy and thrive and can go climb a mountain if that's what they want to do when they're 80 years old. Like you said, it's not about getting like a bang and bod for for just this summer, like and doing and that's kind of what I see with a lot of big fitness stuff is, uh, you know, there are very, very intense like fitness methods that are trendy right now, like CrossFit is huge, right? And I don't you know, I'm sure there are amazing CrossFit trainers out there who are focused on injury prevention. I don't necessarily see a lot of that. So that's kind of where I'm like, people are so gung-ho about what they're doing right now in fitness or in health, like with the keto diet or the carnivore diet. But how is this going to affect your body long-term? Like, do you want to live to be 100 and still be healthy? Because then, like you said, you need to consider it from a different perspective. Definitely. Definitely. I don't know. There's something in the human brain that gets very into trending things. Mm -hmm. We want to be, I don't know, ahead of the curve. Right. Or whatever it is. I don't know. And yeah, they might be flashy and wrapped in gold and, you know, taught by someone with a six pack and, yeah. and massive pecs. Right. But what are they putting in their body? Exactly. To, to get that outcome. Right. Um, yeah, it's, it's murky waters for sure. Definitely. Um, but it sounds like you've had a very... I suppose a great experience in terms of, you know, overeating, fitness, mm -hmm. stress, like high stress mm -hmm. jobs, and then your course in biology and becoming, um, you, you know, you're doing the master's in nutrition now. It's like a very well-rounded approach. Like it's, it's perfect for what's going on in today's society. Right. Is what I'm trying to mm -hmm. say. And, you know, Anna's sitting next to me and she's also part of the, uh, the, the fitness and wellness industry mm -hmm. uh, again we shouldn't be mixing that with nutrition right. um, all the time because they are separate they're completely separate what is what is it what was your experience like in that world and what do you see now you know what do you see when when people are combining uh, their fitness expertise with food I mean, I, and I know we were talking about this before we started recording, but it's just really like 
like I see so many fitness trainers online, fitness coaches, whatever, personal trainers who are outside of their scope of practice, giving out macro meal plans, giving very specific nutritional advice that unless they have some type of education and nutrition, they're not like licensed to give that information at all. And, and just, you know, as, as a, like a fitness and health professional, it's really frustrating to see because that's when people can get hurt. Um, you know, if you're telling someone they need to be eating 120 grams of protein a day and they have to be eating meat to do that and, you know, low carb, like not eating that many vegetables, not eating very much fruit, like not eating very many plants in general, and they don't start to feel well because of that, like that's on you because you're not properly licensed or properly educated to give them that advice. So I think, again, it just comes back to being very aware as a consumer and just being really just being a conscious consumer of information and thinking about things critically, like you said, like what is their game? What is their motive with this? Um, so, I mean, I'm just thinking about like Instagram and all that stuff online, but, but just in the fitness world, teaching fitness classes and, and in big box gyms, you know, you see very much the focus on like your physique. And it's just so funny because I, you know, I've been there where I've like chased that too. And it's so, you, it's not a positive feeling, you know, when you're chasing a certain look and you're like, oh, I can't eat this. And what I find is that it really creates a lot of very restrictive eating habits in people and disordered eating habits. And I think especially for women, and I definitely experienced that, like having disordered eating where, I've, you know, carbs were off limits, certain foods were off limits. Like, you know, I, if I wanna look a certain way, then I cannot be eating like large quantities of this and that. And just like eliminating entire food groups to look a certain way. And it's just like, it's so, it's so ridiculous, but it's so common today because we have this very, physique oriented like society it's like you know covers of magazines are like lose 10 pounds in like one month like january detox like you know this and that and things are very trendy and and i see like fitness like gyms and and boutique studios pushing challenges like you know whatever some kind of shred program like we'll provide these meal plans and it's basically like chicken and veggies and like rice mm -hmm. that you eat for 30 days and then you're gonna lose a ton of weight which is you know again it's great it's not that it's not amazing to get healthy and get into healthy habits but how are we doing this and is it going to be sustainable is it a crash diet for a month and then you regain all you lost and more and feel like shit about it like that's not a positive outcome so let's think about things holistically and long term and what's actually going to work for you in your unique lifestyle with your metabolism and go from there fantastic yeah. no that's that's awesome if we can just think about things a little bit more critically yeah so what's the experience like what is it like to be um you know, eliminating food groups, overeating, mm -hmm. um, binge eating mm -hmm. in the pursuit of a look, in the pursuit of a, a body type. Mm -hmm. What was your experience? What's the feeling, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, for me, I had, I developed a very disordered relationship with food when I was younger, when I was like 18. And, um, you know, I just come out of high school, like everyone around me, you know, girls in high school, you're, you're you're not eating to be healthy or eating to like be skinny. Basically that was my experience with it. Yeah. And it was very much like, you know, so just that whole thing is so messed up in and of itself. And I just didn't know, I didn't know what your relation, you know, what a proper relationship with food is. I wasn't very connected with my food at all. Um, so all of that just like led to a very large disconnect for me. And just like, I was seeking, satisfaction outside of my own self and I was I was seeking validation from how I looked in the mirror which 
I think it's really damaging for anyone. And it's like, as soon as you start to associate, equate having a flat stomach with your happiness, like your thing, things are going wrong. Like moral compass is off. Like you need to sit down and, and reconsider things. And that's how it was for me. Um, and that kind of led into more emotional eating later because I would get stressed. And I was like, stress was, you know, I'm, I'm a very type A person. I take on a lot onto my plate. I like to be busy. I like to have things going on. And I definitely had overloaded myself with responsibilities. And that led to like stress eating because that was my coping mechanism at the time. And at that time, I didn't know any other way to, to deal with stress really, you know? Whereas now I'm very much like, my approach to, to emotional eating and stress eating is like, this is a coping, a coping mechanism for your stress, for your negative emotions. Let's come up with other strategies that also make you feel better, that make you feel relaxed, that aren't related to food, you know, that don't include you eating like an entire bag of chips in one sitting after dinner. So, yep. Okay. So when you were personally going through that experience, mm -hmm. were you cognizant of it occurring yeah. or, or was it something that uh, was very like routine? Like, were you just going to that right. sitting down and, and really not thinking about it? Like, I think, yeah, and I think it's important, especially when we're talking about disordered eating and eating disorders, you know, eating disorders are a diagnosis, like same with binge eating disorder, it's a diagnosis, and there are certain criteria that you meet to, to you know, receive that diagnosis. For me, it never got to that point where I had, even, you know, I, I had disordered eating, but I was never anorexic or anything like that. Like, it never got that bad, thankfully. So for me, I was, I was aware of it at the time, but how you feel when you're emotionally eating is that you're out of control to stop it. And that's really what I, how I felt. I was like, I'm, you know, I'm so healthy in all these other aspects of my life, but I'm out of control to stop this. Like, I know I should like stop, but like I can't. And so I started to not trust myself around food either. And that was like, honestly, one of the most damaging things to me because I was like, I can't, sure all day I'll be doing great. For me, it was very much like stress eating at night when I'm like exhausted and tired. And, and then at night I'm like, well, who knows like what's going to happen? And it was just that feeling of being like, I don't know what's going to, like, I can't, I don't feel in control of my own eating habits. And that's what really was like, you know, you break your own trust with yourself when you feel like you can't trust yourself around food. Um, and that's what I see with just with, with different people I talk to today and, and just people who struggle with emotional eating and, you know, you don't have to have a full blown eating disorder to still have disordered eating habits. So what I was exactly. So mm -hmm. like, even if you're not at an end of the spectrum yeah right you know there's there's going to be people all the way along that spectrum right of completely healthful in line with uh you know how they want to be um their thoughts and actions are completely like and they're doing fantastic mm -hmm. there's going to be people right at the other end of the spectrum that might be anorexic diagnosed with it right. and really struggling uh, but then along the way there's going to be people um experiencing all sorts of different um, habits, emotions, and, and actions mm -hmm. and, and how they cope with it. What are things that we can look for? What, are, what is something that we can look for and go, we can catch and say, oh, this is probably, you know, um, this is probably a product of how I'm feeling. The reason I'm eating this or the reason I'm eating this much is a product mm -hmm. of how I'm feeling uh, and it's potentially harmful to me. Right. Is there ways that we can go, you don't have to be, you know, at the anorexic level or yeah. the bulimic level. Mm -hmm. um, but if, yeah, if you want to be aware of these things, what is something we can look at? 
I think mindful eating is really great to just learn more about. And I mean, in my opinion, the word mindful, it's kind of tossed around too much these days. And honestly, I'm kind of sick of hearing it, but it is what it is. And I think it's important to learn about it um, just for our own eating habits. So, you know, sitting down at the table, it's like, one, are you on your phone? Are you watching TV? What are you doing while you're eating? Are you being, are you aware of the food you're eating? Just like, did you cook your food? Did you, were you present when you were cooking your food? Literally just being present with the food you're about to eat because that makes it a much more like in-body experience. Um, you know, we, when you're emotionally eating, you're like constantly going, you're not thinking about how you're feeling. So if we're thinking about how we're feeling when we sit down at the dinner table, you know, like, oh, this food tastes so good. It has these flavors in it. Like, wow, I cooked it. So whatever. Like, I know it sounds silly, but if you're in touch with with your meal, it's a lot harder to overeat because you're in touch with your meal and you're in touch with your body. And I think just, you know, there are simple tactics like putting your fork down in between bites, like taking the time to make your your foods, your eating slower um, because it does take your body about 20 minutes to, for, you know, your body to have that, that fullness, uh, and satiety receptors go off. So just like taking it slow, thinking like, okay, how am I feeling on a scale of one to 10? How full am I right now? Asking yourself before a meal, I have my clients do this, um, like on a scale of one to five, how do I feel like stress wise? How am I feeling? How would I describe my emotions right now? Um, and then just keeping track of that throughout the day and throughout a week and seeing like, when did you eat more? Were, were your stress levels high? How were your emotions? Were they, you know, as we call them negative emotions. Um, and then seeing like from there, what happened for you to experience that? So I think just becoming more cognizant and aware of it, like you were saying earlier about like, how, how am I feeling when I'm eating this food? Am I in touch with what I'm doing or am I scrolling through Instagram while I'm like downing a bag of chips? Been there, done that. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And that's why I'm bringing it up because Mm -hmm. yeah, regardless of, of where you are on the spectrum, there's, there's always improvements we can make. So if, if, if you're wanting to, to dive deeper into, you know, your own actions and how Mm -hmm. you can improve, well, we're all on that kind of journey. So it's, it's important to, to chat about ways that we can set ourselves up for, uh, you know, succeeding in in hitting, uh, where hitting the goals of where we want to, yeah, uh, where we want to take ourselves. So I think I think it's really important. The, the, I think the first time I heard it was um, a guy that I spoke with in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Matthew Sapala. Okay. And he's had quite an epic transformation in terms of you know going down the toxic diet culture and, mm-hmm. and getting really into it um, to the point where like yeah it was affecting his relationships. Uh, coming out of that as a as a whole food plant-based guy wow becoming really healthy but he did mention you know something that he likes to do is to sit down with his meal with no technology mm-hmm. and really taste like or, or try and understand like what he's biting into what mm-hmm. food that was yeah okay i can really taste you know the mushroom or i can right. really taste the pomegranate there yeah whatever it might be right um, so I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And yeah, something you can get more in, in touch with rather than just like, yeah, slamming down a bag yeah. of chips. I so, yeah, right. Or like eating, you know, we're so eating on the go. We're busy. We grab a protein bar, you know, we grab an apple to, to, to 
go wherever we're going. Like we're very busy and we don't take the time to one, like make a proper meal. And I'm, you know, I'm definitely not perfect. Like I'm busy too. And, and I don't always take the time to have a proper meal either. But I think just knowing that like, the more I think you have a relationship with your food, the more you get into cooking and experimenting with different things. I think that really helps too, because it's easy to slam down a bag of of chips because it's, you know, it's processed, it tastes good. It's very like hyper satisfying. But if you're cooking like a proper meal, you know, with, with different foods in it, the different vegetables in it, different flavors in it, it's sure you can overeat that, but it's, it's a different experience than when you're just like, let me go snack on everything I can find in the cupboard kind of thing. Yeah. And like, now that I'm thinking about it more deeply, like having this conversation with you, it's like, um, you know, if you cook on your own, for example, I, I cook on my mm-hmm. own. That's cool. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to chop everything and you throw it all together. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, you're really into what you're about to create. Mm-hmm. If you add a person to that. Yeah. It's another level. It's, right. a, it's a better experience. Like when we cook together, Anna, it's awesome. You know, like yeah. I'm off doing one thing. And yeah. She's giving me tips on how to make it more tasty. Right. Um, instead of just throwing beans in a blender, yeah. she's like, you know, add a little bit of salt, Do this add and that. pepper, yeah. you know, make it, yeah. make it Mexican, not Australian, yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it actually taste good. That's funny. Um, but yeah, that is another, I suppose a level up in terms of enjoying it, it right? and then eating it together. Because it becomes an experience, yeah. not just something you have to do. Exactly. So it's cool to think about. Yeah. It is it is really cool to think about it. and they're just little things that you can add into your life. Yeah. That substitute the bag of chips on your own right. as a rushed experience. Right. As yeah. A, yeah. It, yeah, I like it. It's cool. And I think I think too, I mean one I think it's important to remember like food is we don't just eat food to for fuel we eat it for enjoyment it's a big part of our culture so I think you know it's important to kind of give yourself some grace like it's I think it's fine to eat you know we probably eat a lot of chocolate and more indulgent food over the holidays that's okay like that's part of I think that's a healthy part of life to have and obviously don't go crazy overboard with it but you can indulge and it's not a bad thing so I think it's like you don't have to be perfect and just eating food for fuel either I think it's like it's fine to eat something for enjoyment even if you are pretty full just be aware of that and and be present in the moment and and I think that's how we promote just a healthy relationship with food yes life has all of that Mm -hmm. Um, and we're only in a you know this is a very small patch and I think partially the reason I'm a little bit I've got a bit of a cold is partially because of the holiday food I've been Mm -hmm. eating Uh, other people that I've interacted with are also sick Um, you know I might be vegan and plant-based but I'm not bulletproof yeah so yeah I'm experiencing that right now Uh and really feeling like okay I really want to dial in my nutrition yeah it's time to get back to it moving into the new year right it's a it really is only a short period but Mm -hmm. yeah I'm I'm ready to move move away from that now. Yeah, we're ready. I think collectively, everyone's like, okay, we right. we had our fun. Like, let's get let's get serious now. Definitely. And I, I what I still want to do, and this is kind of like more on the topic of eating and the experience of eating. What I haven't had a lot of experience doing was, you know, we're lucky to have a nice crew here in the Pacific North mm-hmm. Northwest that are vegan, plant based mm-hmm. mostly, yeah, or a hundred percent, yeah get together and um yeah we have these like potluck style yeah meetings and we haven't really experienced it and we loved it it's really really cool to <laughs> uh 
um, to have that in, right. our, in our backyard now. Mm-hmm. Here. Now what I'd really like to do is do exactly the same thing, but around more healthful dishes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hopefully in 2020 we can promote more of that. Yeah. I really want to experience that. Uh, and after reading that book, Lost Connections, mm-hmm. seeing how much community right, how is important, important is. in health of, of mindset and yeah. emotions. Uh, it, yeah, I've really felt that coming to a new place, feeling a bit lost, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit down mm-hmm. and then feeling myself pick back up again, not because of diet change, yeah, because of community right because of the experiences that i'm putting myself into yeah uh so yeah having that social connection definitely so hopefully yeah around more healthful food yeah uh, Yeah. we can still have that same experience right um what i wanted to chat about i suppose it was on the tip of my tongue before so what i wanted to chat about and we've kind of already started uh, to get into it is really like routine yeah. Routine, habits, and setting yourself up for success. So we spoke about food. Yes. And, and small ways that we can do that. What What are some of the things that you like to talk about uh, in terms of, yeah, being aware of emotions? You know, we'll call it mental health, but mm-hmm. I think more and more we're going to hear the term emotional health, mm-hmm. which you use as well. Mm-hmm. Um, anxiety, depression, how we cope with uh you know that's that's just the body giving us a signal right it's not something to to press down into the yeah exactly. into the dirt and not listen to right uh, it's a normal reaction to a situation that we're going through mm-hmm. uh, listening to it is important mm-hmm. um, being able to deal with it is super important mm-hmm. what are some of yeah the routines the habits um that you like to promote Mm -hmm. and what's a really good way for us to stick to habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, What? Yeah. Let's get into that. It's a great topic. I think, you know, it's interesting because when you were talking about like just positive routines that, that helps kind of in a way, keep you mindful and present and conscious throughout your day. I was thinking about how easy it is for us to go on autopilot with just our lives, honestly. Like, you know, a lot of the time, especially for me, I've come out of like many years of being in school and it, a lot of the time it feels like things are on autopilot. You know, you wake up, you do the same thing every day, more or less, and then you go do something else. Hi, Dee. <laughs> Indy's just like so cute. cruising around. Oh, Indy's okay. our new dog for you guys at home that <laughs> don't follow our, uh, our Instagram page, but she's, uh, she's about 12 weeks old. Little rescue puppy from Texas, and uh, she loves new people. So she was just kind of sitting there looking at <laughs> Katrina, thinking, "Huh, What's Let, going teach on me here? more about routines yeah. and and habit change, please." Yeah, but so I think one of the things is that um, we get so on autopilot very easily in our lives, and I think that's like for me, that's happened a lot of the time too, where um, I am, you know, just you kind of wake up one day and you're kind of like, wow, I feel like I've been doing the same thing for like two months. You're like, okay, this is, you know, it gets monotonous. And I think that's where we start to kind of slip into very long-term negative emotions. And I think, you know, among other things, it's kind of maybe how depressive symptoms develop for a lot of people. But so one thing for myself that I find really important because 
that that it does happen. We do do a lot of repetitive things in our lives, but that doesn't have to be a bad thing. So I really have like daily things that I do. I'm huge on gratitude journaling every morning. And it's funny because as I say this, I literally haven't been doing it for the past like two weeks as I've been home and things are just crazy and out of, out of, you know, out of routine, literally. Um, but that's such a big thing for me that has helped me just like cultivate an optimistic mindset and just more resilient mindset and not being so swayed by life's ups and downs. Um, kind of like we talked about earlier, you know, not taking things personally. So I have like, that's huge for me just, and it can be for, for your listeners who, you know, who are here listening to this podcast. It's very much, it doesn't have to be this big thing. I think gratitude journaling is very trendy right now, which is great, but it doesn't like, if you're not, into spirituality or you know you're kind of skeptical of all that you can still do this and have a positive experience with it like I like to say to people just write down three things that you're grateful for in the morning and if you want to do more than that you can but it can also just be that and I think just by simply doing that every single day or most days it really helps you just to reshift your mindset from the get-go into seeing all that you already have because I think that's a big piece of just enjoying life and 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 just inviting greater experiences in like with our energy is perceiving what we already have as being enough and um you know that might be easier for some than for others but it is practice like I it was it was hard for me when I first started to to shift my mindset but that is definitely one of the biggest things that has helped me and that helps me stay more like present and aware in my life today totally I think yeah if you're not a spiritual person um you know, if that's not something that you, you like to get into, mm-hmm. you could even call it something different. Right. Like you don't have to call it that. You can just call it like, you can write three things down in the morning and that can be it. Like it right. doesn't, you can make it, I think there's a lot of, I'm like very active in kind of different spiritual communities as well. But sometimes I get really sick of how kind of like fluffy and airy it can be just because I too, am like, I'm kind of a hard facts analytical person yeah. as well as I have like, the kind of like fluffy airy yeah. side of me. So, so I get that, you know, not everyone's going to relate to that, but it doesn't have to be some like flowy spiritual thing. It can be whatever you want it to be personally. Exactly. Yeah. yeah anyone can do it literally. Yeah. Uh, I think that's kind of the perception of what people used to think vegans were as well. Mm-hmm. Had to be this hippie yeah. kind of, what do they call it? Like granola Cr- crunchy. crunchy. Kind yeah. Of yeah. <laughs> that term. And you know, when now, and that's the really at the crux of why I wanted to start this podcast yeah. was just to show that it doesn't matter what lifestyle you yeah. lead being plant-based, being vegan, uh-huh. giving a shit about animals, the environment, about the planet. The pla- like, it's a, it's, it's just, a human, th- it's a universal connection. Let's not box people. In. Yeah, definitely. You know, let's, let's not, you could be, you know, like uh, Patrick Baboobian. I can, was just thinking of the guy from uh, the Game, Game Changers. Changers. I was just thinking that, yeah. You can be this bearded German, right? you know, like, strong man. Right. Literally, Literally the quintessential <laughs> idea of what you think a strong man would yeah. be. Patrick is. It just so happens that he cares about animals. Right. And he doesn't want to eat them. Yeah. So he's finding a way to make it work for himself. Mm-hmm. I'm also not saying what he does is the most healthful way to live. For sure. But it's what he wants to do. Yeah. And he's showing people that you can do it by being compassionate. Right. I'm not definitely not throwing shade at that. Yeah, of you know, course. That, that, is, um, that is why I wanted to start the show. Yeah. So, That's awesome. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, I think it's yeah super important to show that anyone can get into these practices. Mm-hmm 
that we might have previously seen as crunchy granola, whatever you like want to call it. Like very wellness, kind woo of like woo. we were talking about, like very, yeah, very woo-woo, very yeah. LA, very whatever. So yeah. it turns yeah. out we're just kind of like trying to look after ourselves. Exactly. Like it's not, it doesn't, it is what you make it. If you want yeah. it to be like that, then it can be. And if you don't want it to be like that, then it doesn't have to be. Exactly. Exactly. So outside of uh, journaling, mm-hmm. what, and this is something, that is what something I really want to get into. That's something that Anna and I have spoken about. Mm-hmm. Really simple. Just yeah. like I mean, getting back to the roots of right. like what is good in your life. Yeah. And not getting swayed by like the person that's on holiday on Instagram. Yeah. Oh if my goodness. If you can ground yourself yeah. every day, every morning, mm-hmm. I can only imagine. I can't say from experience because I honestly haven't done it. But right. I can only imagine it's an awesome it's an awesome way to start the day. It is. Yeah. yeah. And I just think, you know, I even for people like us, like we're very into health and wellness and, and doing good for the planet and, and helping other people. But I find myself like, especially like you were saying, you get caught up on Instagram and you get kind of complacent about your own life and where you're at and you can feel like what you're doing isn't good enough. So I think more so today than ever, it's important for all of us to kind of take a step back and like evaluate our own lives and see what's good there instead of getting caught up in just the social media comparison that is, I think happens for all of us, even if we like to think we know better. Right. Definitely. Definitely. No, I think there's always going to be someone doing more than you or Mm -hmm. better than you. There's going to be someone doing less or worse than you. Uh, Yeah. You, you can only control your own experience. Right. Uh, You can't control anything really outside of that. Right. So yeah. Letting, letting people, uh, letting other people's experience make you upset or uh, not feeling of worth. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it happens in, in today's society, but yeah. hopefully we can, again, together move, move past that. Right. But I think in terms of other, uh, other just building healthy habits, like other routines. Yes. Um, you know, just when, when I help people with this, it's very much like, one, evaluate your current lifestyle. Where are you starting from? Is your goal to go more plant-based? Like, okay, first, like, consider, sit down and just do a week evaluation. Like, how many meals with animal products, how many meals that contain meat are you eating right now? Because it's important that, you know, if you're eating every single meal has meat in it, you should not be trying to go fully plant-based the next week. So taper down. It's very much about how do we make, like, gradual consistent change that you can stick to and especially just the psychology of habit change and and you know behavior change in general you need to take it slow and let your brain and your body get used to it instead of going gung-ho like full force forward that's when things kind of don't stick to the wall exactly yeah Yeah. and it's funny because you know i think as humans and i think that's part of why we love like big detox diets or like you know 30 day shred program or things that are very intense in nature is because we like to go like gung ho forward into things. Um, you know, we're super excited about it. We're like, we want quick results. I want a quick turnaround. Um, but, but really thinking like, if you want this change to last a long time, it's going to take a while to cultivate. And same thing, like, let's say you're trying to lose 20 pounds. You didn't gain those in one month. It's going to take more than one month to, to lose them. So, you know, just recognizing that from the get-go, like nothing happens overnight. You know, if you're trying to improve in yoga or flexibility or strength, like at the gym, you don't go from, from lifting 10 pounds to lifting 100 pounds in two days. Like you need to, as hard as it can be for us all, I think we need to like embrace the fact that it's a process and you have to have patience with the process. Definitely. 
Definitely. Yeah. We're, yeah. I mean, you hear like slowing down mm-hmm. nowadays, like try and slow down. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. Like understanding that things take time, mm-hmm. growth, building. Um, yeah. You don't have to get so down on yourself if you're not achieving like, yeah. uh, you know, world record deadlifts in, in the first week yeah. of uh, your gym routine. Like, of course not. And so yeah. I think another part of that is like, you have to make the new habit building. You have to create like a reward system for it. You don't, I mean, you don't have to, but it's going to drastically help. So again, just like looking at the science of behavior change, how do we create a new habit? One, we know it takes time. Um, there's that saying it takes 21 days to build a habit, but it's actually more, it's, it's longer than that to actually keep it in place. You know, it might take 21 days for you to like get into the, the routine of doing it, but we need to be doing it longer for it to become like an automatic thing. Um, so, so one, make it a process and I think track it. Like I love, I, my clients, they have like calendars where they kind of keep track of like, what day did I do this? If it is gratitude journal, maybe it's drinking lemon water in the morning, going to the gym, how many meals were plant-based? If you hit, let's say your goal of X amount of meals were plant-based in the week, then at the end of the month, you get some reward that you've set for yourself. So I think, you know, that's a really effective way of doing it, creating some kind of reward-based system for yourself. Um, And again, not feeling, not one, not setting unrealistic goals, two, getting in touch with why do you want to do this? I help people go plant-based and the first question I ask them is what's your motivation for doing this? Because that has to be at the front of your mind. It's creating a new habit is hard. Your brain has to work harder. It's not as easy as being in like, you know, autopilot mode. So if you want to stay consistent with it, you need to have that motivation, that desire to keep doing it. Definitely. It's like, yeah, okay, maybe 21 days to to get in this routine. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like mastery of a, of a habit, um, that obviously takes a lot longer. Right. Um, it's like you said, you know, before you came home, holiday season, mm-hmm. haven't seen your family in a while. Yeah. It's hectic. Yeah. I would say mastery would be like still finding time to do it. it. Yeah, exactly. Right? Right. And that's not, I'm not. No, of course not. But I think, you know, it's it's a great point. Exactly. It's like, no, we all are on some level going through uh, trying to better ourselves. Yeah. And it's okay to Mm -hmm. not have it 100% down. Definitely. um, But setting yourself up for success. Right. Being able to pick it back up again Mm -hmm. from where you left off and continue to strive to the goal that you want to get to right is important i think we do quit uh way too early or we fall off the wagon Mm -hmm. way too early because we haven't set ourselves up exactly um, for that success another thing that i really liked that uh i know you're into as well is your style the the holistic approach Mm -hmm. Um, but also more importantly when you have a client the first thing that you want to know about them is their situation Mm -hmm where they're at right it's super important yeah but it's not something that is traditionally you know think about going to the doctor for me like if right. you if you think about going to the doctor and what that usually looks like mm-hmm. okay you're going there with something so i'm going there with a cold yeah okay what are you experiencing okay my uh my eyes are watering and my my nose is blocked yeah got a bit of a sore throat what you're going to get back is uh, a pill or a medicine right like an antibiotic and you're out of there mm-hmm. that's the exchange yeah um or you're experiencing depression and anxiety yeah 
okay, doc, I, uh, yeah, I've been feeling pretty down lately. Mm-hmm. From my understanding, they're basically going to ask you, a, they're going to evaluate you mm-hmm. um, and see if you meet the criteria of being clinically depressed. Right. You're then going to be given an antidepressant that you go away with and that's it. That's the exchange. Yeah. It's very cookie cutter. Very cookie cutter. Mm-hmm. Totally. So I really like that. Yeah. The first thing you do is like, okay, let me tell you, let where me hear you about at? where yeah. you're at. Yeah. What your meals look like, mm-hmm. what your life looks like. Right. And how can we start to adapt uh, and change mm-hmm. based on that? Right. Rather than saying, this is the way. Yeah. This is the approach. Just follow this. And please follow these yeah. steps and you will come out the other end. Uh, you know, Rich Roll says a fully integrated human. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like, no. We, yeah. We, life is hard. Right. Everyone's on a different level mm-hmm. of experience. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. So I, I really like that. So how do you think w- with the model that's kind of like really set in its mm-hmm. way is like, you know, going to the doctor and, and the medical profession is very set in right. its ways. Yeah. What do you think we have in our kind of favor uh, that you could see more people going to a, an approach where um, they're able to give their time and, and learn more about their patients? Do you think it's possible? You know, I think you have to look at, especially in the U.S., the, the Western medicine paradigm if you will that like this this way of of doing medicine um it's very heavily influenced by the pharmaceutical industry and they have a lot of money and it's very embedded in in just like same with insurance companies you know there's so much money in it that i don't think unless something drastically changes at a government level i honestly i don't see that changing but what i do see is that people now they're not satisfied with what they're getting from Western medicine. Like you were saying, you get a seven minute visit to the doctor. That's all they can give you. They're on a strict schedule. They have to see, you know, like 50 patients a day. Like they can't one, they literally legally cannot give you more time than that unless you booked a longer appointment. So it's like, it's very bound by, by rules and um, just very tied up in a lot of things. And people just aren't satisfied with that, which is why they seek outside solutions you know they seek approaches that are that are unique to them and one where you can actually sit down and and talk with a practitioner and I think there's a lot more interest in in alternative not even I don't you know that's I'll call it what it is but I don't think of it that way like naturopathic medicine for instance where you have more time to sit down with with a doctor and and they consider your your unique situation in a very different way than than a standard like allopathic doctor would I think the online, this is where online could be a huge positive mm-hmm. um, because, you know, the, the traditional doctor's office setting, you're really bound to your city yeah, or your town. Your location. Exactly. Yeah. With online, um, yeah, the positive of that is that you literally, you, you've got a worldwide audience. Yeah. Um, and again, it gets back to, you know, hopefully you're qualified and, Right. The advice all of that, exactly, all of that exactly. stuff, of course. But, um, but, but still, I think it's a great opportunity. Like just being able to access different people online. Like my clients, I do all of my coaching virtually. And that's great because I can talk to people all over the world and connect with way more people than I would be able to if it were like location bound. Yeah. And then I think uh, on top of that, 
um, it, it really does show, it doesn't matter what topic I've, I talk about on the, on the show, mm-hmm. but it really highlights the importance of demand. Yeah. What people demand is where, you know, where models and systems so true. follow. Yeah. But that's the important thing is that they follow us. Right. It seems we, like they're in control, but really it's the people who have the power. We really can't sit back. Uh, we're such reactive people mm-hmm. that, you know, and, and we have this idea that we're not going to make any difference. Yeah. And that's another thing I ho- have hope for. Yeah. Is that we start to see that no matter what the topic, no matter what mm-hmm. the area, yeah, what we're demanding and what we want out of something is super, super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our voice matters. Exactly. Uh, so... Yeah. With everything, like With you're everything. saying. I exactly. mean, you know, you talk about a plant-based lifestyle. People are very much like, well, what what difference can I make? Like you said, but literally one plant-based meal is one meal that you're using drastically fewer resources to feed yourself. Yep. And, you know, what is it like if you're vegan for one day, like you've saved one animal's life. So I think whatever appeals to people about eating more plant-based, whether it be for their health, whether it be for the environment or for the animals, you can find different all types of different statistics that are going to prove to you like hey even if you're just doing this for one day or for one meal you are making a difference and again like just the ripple effect of of how many people you inspire just by doing you just by being who you are and living like in your truth and trying something that works for you even if you're not trying to stake a claim about it the people around you will notice what you're doing 100 mm-hmm. percent. no um yeah really well said i think yeah, it's, it's really important to, to get a grasp on that and to, um, I suppose, just use your voice and your actions mm-hmm. to, to the best of their ability. Uh, another thing, you know, we've spoken about today that credentials are important mm-hmm. if you are going to be giving a meal plan, if yeah. you're going to be, um, if you're going to be helping someone with, yeah, their actual nutrition. Mm-hmm. But if you're listening here and you're, you're wanting to actually uh, start blogging, mm-hmm. start an Instagram page, mm-hmm. start a podcast, you know, know that don't get weighed down by that thought. Yeah, you, everyone yeah. has a valid experience to share. Exactly. Definitely. So it can go both ways. Yes. I totally agree with you in terms of, you know, um, sharing nutritional advice, helping people with their health mm-hmm. and creating plans uh, for them. Uh, it is important to be qualified. Mm-hmm. Uh, equally as much though, we need more people that are sharing their experience. Definitely. Um, in terms of, uh, yeah, blogging or um, however Instagram or yeah. YouTube. Yeah. And and if it stay like if it stays that way, if it's if it's a shared experience, mm-hmm. uh, then that's something that people are going to connect with. Mm-hmm. Uh, on a deeper level versus like a scientific paper. Yeah, of course. Scientific, yeah. We connect because, you know, human connection and we we can relate to someone else's experience. And I think that's why anecdotes, like someone else's story is so much more powerful than, like you said, a scientific study. You know, it's cold and and hard and analytical versus something that you can feel and see and touch and is real. Exactly, exactly. So in saying that, you know, it's January the 2nd mm-hmm. um, and this is going to go live 
What's what's the day today? Mm, Thursday. <laughs> it's Thursday. Yeah, sorry. It's everything's I, melting. It's like we've so been in a weekend for the past yeah, two weeks. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so this will be going live uh, on Saturday morning, mm-hmm. uh, and you could very well be listening to this on, you know, August the eighth, two thousand and twenty-one. For all I know, right. Um, so the timing isn't really super important, but the fact that people go into a new year with change in their mind mm-hmm. and goals that they've set yeah. uh, that often, you know, fall by the wayside and mm-hmm. uh, aren't achieved. We all, right. we all go through that. Yeah. We all go through that. What are some ways, and we've spoken about habit change, mm-hmm. what would you say is the most important thing for someone that on January the 1st mm-hmm. decided to say, look, this is, this is the year that I'm going to go plant-based. Mm-hmm. What would you say to that person? You know, I think first of all, and this is with, this is how I feel about like all kind of New Year's resolutions and goals for, that you set at the beginning of the year with, you know, all these kind of like you were saying, all these grand visions for how the year is going to go and all these things that you want to achieve. And then, like you said, they fall by the wayside. I mean, like what is it? 70 to 80% of New Year's resolutions by the end of January are long gone and forgotten. So I think one, you know, I think the goal of going plant-based in a year, that's plenty of time. That's a realistic goal. But I think when it comes to other goals, be, be realistic, like have big dreams, but also sit yourself down and be like, okay, given my current lifestyle, my current schedule, what, how, how high is this on, on a desire level for me? Is this a 10 out of 10? I want to achieve this goal so badly. This is one of my top priorities. Or is it not that big of a priority? And I think it's important to, it's fine if not everything, well, first of all, not everything can be a priority. Otherwise, you know, they wouldn't be priorities, right? But but that like, it's fine to have other things that take priority over, over certain goals. So we have big goals, but you're not going to be able to have all of them at the same dedication and same effort level, I guess, throughout the year. Um, just because we don't have the, the bandwidth for that, you know, you can't maintain like five big goals at the same time. So I think one, just be realistic with yourself about where you're at and the time and the, the energy that you actually have and are willing to give to that pursuit. Um, and then go from there. So I think too, I really like checking in monthly, like at the beginning of every month, like on a Sunday afternoon or something, whenever you like to do it, of course, um, sit down and, you know, reflect like, how did this past month go? What would I like to do in this following month? Did I set new year's resolutions three months ago? How are those doing? Have I thought about that since like January 15th, you know, um, in terms of going plant-based, I think, you know, all the, the action with Veganuary is amazing. But like we were talking about earlier too, don't feel like you have to go 100% vegan. Like take it slow, take it at your own pace um, and, and just try, focus on trying new recipes, talking to other people and don't get too sucked into the, the, the black holes of, of the, the interwebs, you know? <laughs> Definitely. That, yeah, that can be a path that is uh, detrimental. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fantastic um, advice for the general goal setting yeah. uh, world okay wrapping things up mm-hmm. what is I suppose what's next for you mm-hmm. in terms of the future like how how far are you through your, your master's course um, and yeah what it what are your kind of goals for uh, for 2020 and also where can we find you yeah so I think 
Um, I mean, so my master's is another year and a half. There's actually this really exciting program where you can get credits for doing, uh, they have like this science innovation hub at the University of Copenhagen. So you can have your entrepreneurial business idea or already formed business. And basically it's kind of like a startup incubator where you can get credits for doing that. So I'll be doing that for four months this spring, which I'm really excited about just to kind of expand and grow. You know, my background is in science. It's not in, in marketing and business. So I've learned a lot over the past six months since starting my business and, um, you know, seeing what comes, I'd really like to create an online course, um, to help people transition to a plant-based diet in a way that's, that's focused on food freedom and, and creating like a long-term sustainable, healthy lifestyle. Um, yeah, so we'll see what happens. I think I have some goals, but I've, I've also gotten to the point personally for me where, um, I find that I'm much more one motivated and more realistic about my goals when they're shorter term. So when they're three to six months versus like year long things. Um, and yeah, I'm on, I'm very active on Instagram. My brand is passion for plants. Um, my website is passion for plants with two S's at the end.com. I send out email newsletters. I mean, I have lots of free resources on my website to help you go plant-based. I have a plant-based grocery list. That's like very exhaustive in depth that people love and you can get that for free um, on my website as well. I have a cookbook too. So lots of resources to help you go plant-based. Um, and of course, like I've been talking about, I take, I take private coaching clients to help them go plant-based, not just, you know, focusing on their nutrition, but just on their lifestyle and how to achieve whatever it is their, their health and wellness goals are. So. Fantastic. Yeah. Well, Katrina, firstly, I appreciate you reaching out. Yeah. I'm glad it could work out. Yeah. I, I love, um, <laughs> Yeah, it's it's cool when when things materialize mm-hmm. uh, and when they kind of you know play them play themselves out in a in, in a in a face to face scenario. Yeah. Uh, so I, I really do appreciate you reaching out and also sharing all of your uh, knowledge with us today. I think it's yeah it's important now, but it's as I said, it's important regardless of what time you're you're listening to the mm-hmm. show. Because uh, you can pick up a goal on August 8th. Yeah. It doesn't have to be that's January so the 1st. And I think that's so yeah. important to realize. Like, you can set new goals anytime. Like, don't... I honestly am so chill about New Year's resolutions because you can create goals for yourself any any time of any month of any year. So It's probably not a bad exercise to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, to break that stigma. Right. Um, is, to, is to set something on February 2nd. Yeah. Stop putting uh, so yeah. much pressure on this one time of the year. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, thank you again. And, um, yeah, I don't know. If you're still here... If Sorry, when you move back, if mm-hmm. we're still here, um, yeah, we can uh, introduce you to the plant-based P&W crew. Yeah, yeah. that would be fun. Uh, I'd love that. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But, that'd be so um, fun. Yeah, yeah well, luck. thank you so much for having me on. It was a great time. Not a problem. I appreciate it. Thanks very much. Thanks. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for being here uh, for another episode of the Veg Talk podcast. This project continues to be the most amazing tool for sharing stories, connecting on a deep level, and learning from others I have personally experienced. And I'm so stoked I get to share these episodes with you every Saturday. I'm really looking forward to 2020 and the guests we'll be hearing from this year. So please hang around, share an episode or two with family and friends, and let's continue to share the power of plants with the world. I'd also like to take a moment to chat about what's going on in my home country, Australia, right now. So I'm sure you've seen it on the news, but there's been some pretty horrific bushfires over the past six to eight weeks, uh, and they're only getting worse. We are seeing climate change and its effects in front of our eyes, and the damage 
is truly devastating. If you can donate, please do, uh, to either the Red Cross, a wildlife sanctuary, or a charity that resonates with you personally. Australia definitely needs the world's help right now, uh, and this is a time where I think we all need to chip in if we can. So whether that's through uh, you know, a monetary donation or by sharing positive information about reducing our carbon footprint in the future, uh, I think that would be really helpful. I'm thinking of everyone back at home and hope that this can come to an end really soon. So next week, on a brighter note, I'm really excited to share we'll be sitting down with Jasmine and Chris from Sweet Simple Vegan. So we've hung out with these guys a few times up here in Portland and I can't wait to introduce you to them. If you're not already following them, please go and see them at Sweet Simple Vegan and also Conscious Chris on Instagram. Until then, keep it plant-based and happy new year.